0: You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode 253. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brieseke, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski, and this is a topic that has been highly requested. It's something that I run into a lot as I am coaching clients, and it's something that if not addressed, it can not only impact your fitness journey, and we're going to talk about how this shows up specifically for a lot of women in their fitness journey, but it can impact a whole lot of areas of your life, and that is people-pleasing. So today in this podcast episode, I want to kind of break down what people-pleasing is, how it's different from just being a compassionate, caring person, uh, what drives people-pleasing, and it may surprise you what drives people-pleasing. And then, you know, how do we start to move past this? How do we start to find this balance with with being in connection with other people while being in connection with ourselves. And so my hope is by the end of this podcast episode, one, you're going to identify where, where this shows up in your life. Because while we kind of tend to generalize, oh, I'm a people pleaser, right? We kind of take it on as an identity. The, case is, the, the fact for most of us is that we tend to people please in some areas and maybe not in other areas. And I don't think that they're... Is anybody in the world that doesn't ever go into people pleasing in some aspect or area of their life, or at some moment in their life? I guess I should say. So I think I I think it's. I I want to be really careful to not like demonize this as like the wrong way to do things, but being more aware of when you are people pleasing and how that shows up, how that tends to show up for you, can be really empowering to decide if that's how how you want to move forward. So, my goal is for you to start to a realize when and where this is happening in your life, b understand why it's happening. I think when we have the context and understanding, we can have some compassion on ourselves of why it's happening, and then c be able to give you some steps to start to move forward when and if you identify, hey, I'm being a people pleaser right now. I'm I'm doing that thing again. What can I do instead? How can I move forward so that I am Not giving up all the things that are important to me and trying to manage other people's opinions and expectations of me. So, if that sounds like something that would be valuable to you, you, my friend, are in the right place. Before I dive into today's topic, I just want to thank those of you who have left a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. Spotify now has the ability as well. It really does help the podcast to grow iTunes is an algorithm. Spotify is an algorithm, and they recommend podcasts to people based off of ratings and reviews. So this is a free podcast. It's a free platform that I put a lot of really great content out onto. And one of the best ways that you can say thank you to any content creator who's putting out free content is by sharing their content. And in the case of a podcast, leaving a rating and review. So for those of you who have taken the time to do that, thank you very much. If you're listening to this podcast and you're resonating with it and you're loving it, please, please, please take three minutes out of your day to leave that rating and review. It really does make a difference for the podcast. Okay, so let's get into today's topic, which is people-pleasing. Now, like I said, this has been a topic that I've actually wanted to create a podcast on for quite a while because it's something that shows up a lot as I'm coaching clients. And people recognize it as a trait of theirs that they would like to change. So this has been on my list of ideas for podcast topics for quite a while. However, I will say that in the last mm, month or two... I've had a lot more personal experiences with this topic, and I've had a lot of eye opening um, study of it. And my understanding of people pleasing and why we do it has really evolved and shifted. And I just have had a lot, a lot of experiences in the realm of people pleasing uh, that I didn't really understand or appreciate before. And I will say, coming out of the gate, I don't tend to be a people pleaser. In fact, we're going to kind of talk about a spectrum and a continuum of ways that we interact in the world. And if people pleasing is on one side, uh, and we can consider that maybe an extreme, I might be on the other side of the extreme, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So people pleasing is not something I tend to resonate a lot with because that's not, in most areas of my life, that's not my default. However, there, like I said at the beginning, I think For all of us, we have instances of people pleasing. Like I, I I think it would be silly to say that like I've never tried to people please. I, I think that's that's an extreme. And one of the instances that I caught myself trying to people please, I told this story back in episode two ten, where I talk about quitting. And this last year during the CrossFit Open, if you're familiar with CrossFit, you may know that there is a stage. Um, a multi-stage experience to be able to get and qualify for the CrossFit Games, which is basically like the Olympics of CrossFit. And it starts with every, you know—anybody can sign up for the CrossFit Open. You know, it's an it's an open open forum to like sign up for, and you complete these workouts, and you submit your scores. And anybody and everybody in the world, you know, can do that. And then from there, the top ten percent of the scores are taken, and they're moved on to the quarterfinals, and then they compete in the quarterfinals, and then the top. It's like 30 from each of the continents from there are then put into the semifinals. It may be more than that, but you get what I'm saying. Like the top people from the quarterfinals move on to the semifinals and then the top people from the semifinals move on to the games. So it's this like elimination style. And this last year I made it from the open into the top 10% of the score submitted into the quarterfinals. And it was, it's kind of a big deal, right? It, it's, it's. It's a big deal to be able to be in, you know, the top ten percent of of all the people in the world that are submitting their scores for this CrossFit competition, and it was it's pretty cool. I'm I'm really proud of that achievement, and a lot of people knew about it, and they knew that I was qualified for the for the quarterfinals. And I, I talked to a lot of people, and they were all really excited, and everybody was really jazzed for me and pumped up, and all these things. And I went to do the very first workout. I remember. We got the workouts. They were released on like a Thursday, so I went like a Thursday afternoon to the gym to the first workout, and I like got to the gym and I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> and if you want to hear like the whole story, I kind of go into it in a lot more detail in 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 episode two ten. But I realized that the only reason that I was doing the quarterfinals was for all the people that I had told about it. I had told my massage therapist. I had told my husband. I had told all my friends at the gym. I had told Instagram. Like I had told all these people that I was doing the quarterfinals. And that was literally the only reason that I was showing up that day at the gym. It was not because I wanted to do it. It was because I was trying to do it for everybody else. I didn't want to let other people down. I didn't want to have other people think negatively about me by not doing this. And when I had that realization that I was not doing this for myself, I was not doing it because I wanted to. I was doing it because I was trying to make other people happy. I quit, and I said, I'm not doing this. And I packed up my bag, put my bar back, and I went home. And I didn't compete in the quarterfinals because it wasn't something I wanted to do. So that was an experience somewhat recently where I caught myself trying to do something in order to make other people happy rather than making myself happy. So what is people pleasing? It is just that trying to make other people happy, putting the needs of other people above your own needs in a very like habitual manner, like all the time, right? It's like always putting other people's needs before your needs. And the key thing with people pleasing is that oftentimes it doesn't even really matter who those people are. They could be strangers on the internet, they could be, you know, people you meet on the street. Uh, they could be your f- friends and family but it's like always putting other people's needs before your own and that on on the surface level that seems like a really compassionate caring position right doesn't what does a compassionate caring person put other people's needs above their own and the thing that I've started to realize over the last couple of months as I've really done some reflection and study and understanding of this topic is that the external reality, the external action for someone who is compassionate can look the exact same as the external action of someone who is people pleasing. The difference between the two is the why behind it. I'm going to take a quick detour, and this was going to make sense. It's going to wrap into here, I promise. But I talk a lot about restriction. And maybe you've heard me talk about restriction on the podcast, and that restriction is a perspective. Restriction is an experience that somebody has with food. And so it really drives me nuts when people say, oh, macro counting is restrictive, or XYZ is restrictive. Like, that is restrictive, Instead of realizing, like uh, here's an example, um, not eating Halloween candy is restrictive. Going to a birthday party and not eating the cake is restrictive, like putting that label on it. And I think it's really important to understand that uh, going to the birthday party and not eating the birthday cake can be restrictive or it can not be restrictive. It can actually be really freeing and feel like a choice that you're making. The difference is not the action itself. Right? You can go to the birthday party and not eat the cake, and one person, that's a restriction mindset, and one person, that's a very empowered, this is the choice, I don't really want the cake mindset. So from the outside looking in, if you just had a video camera, you would see the same exact action for both those people. But they're, where they are making the decision from is very different. Right? Is it from an, I can't have that, I shouldn't have that, I want it, but I shouldn't eat it? the restriction mindset? Or is it from a, Hey, I don't really want the cake. I don't really feel great when I eat it. So I'm just going to choose not to eat it. If I'm from the outside looking in, I see the same action, but what's driving the behavior, the why behind the behavior is very different for someone who is feeling restricted and someone who's feeling very empowered. And so I bring that in to this conversation around people-pleasing that people-pleasing has nothing to do with the action in and of itself, it has to do with what is behind the action, what is driving the action. So we want to be nice, compassionate people, but that is not the same as being a people pleaser. Now you could have, again, you could have the same action, the doing the same thing, but it's what is driving the behavior. So then the question becomes, what drives the behavior of the people pleaser? And almost all the time, it is looking for external validation. It is looking for other people to tell us that we are good enough, that we are worthy, that we measure up. It is looking outside of ourselves for that validation. So people pleasers are doing things because they want the validation that comes Alongside the the hopefully comes alongside of making sure other people are happy. What they're really seeking is that validation of themselves. Whereas people who are kind and compassionate, yes they they may do things for other people, but they don't need the validation. They they're not doing it because they want validation. They are doing it because they're. Kind. And this is where it can get kind of tricky because we can kind of lie to ourselves and say, oh, I'm I'm just a kind person. I'm just placing that person's needs above my own because I'm a kind person. When in reality, if we got really honest with ourselves, we would realize what we're really seeking is we want them to tell us that we did a good job. We want them to tell us that they appreciate us. We want them to tell us that we're awesome or amazing. And that's really what is driving the behavior. So compassionate people. If they do something nice for someone and they don't notice or they don't say anything about it or they don't praise them, it's okay because that's not why they were doing it. They were just, they were doing it out of kindness and out of compassion, not because they are looking for validation. If you're looking for validation and 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 nobody gives it to you, you feel, that feels negative and that helps you to know, oh my gosh, I was doing that thing because I wanted something from that person. I wanted that validation. So people pleasers tend to run into trouble because they base their happiness, they base their self-worth they base their enoughness on how people respond to them, which inherently is something you can't control but that's what people pleasers try to do is they try to get validation, they try to get um, you know base their happiness, base their worth on the people's response someone's response to them instead of developing their own self-worth their own self-esteem and being able to have that you know self-validation to be able to stand on so one of the things that has kind of blown my world up over the last couple of months that I've been learning about is this idea of this balance this dance this tension that occurs between two fundamental human needs and that is the fundamental human need to be in connection with oneself and to be in connection with other people we could all also call this you know autonomy the need the human need for autonomy and the human need to be in connection with other people and in this there there creates a very natural tension because not not usually <laughs> Do those two uh, needs or desires line up? For example, and here's just like a, a silly example. Um, I remember when I was back, back in the day when I taught fitness classes. So I taught fitness classes from the time that my kids were, uh, my oldest was three when I started teaching fitness classes, all the way up until my oldest was about 11 And and, in there, I had three other kids, right? So there were. It was definitely a period of time where I was teaching fitness classes five, five days a week, six days a week, sometime, and I was a stay-at-home mom the rest of the time. And so, if I went to the gym, my kids sure as heck went to the gym, and they would go to the childcare. And I had a. I remember having a lot of people who made comments about that or said, oh, I could never go to the gym because I I couldn't leave my kids in like the childcare as if that was a negative, you know, I was subjecting my kids to like this negative experience. And they, you know, I was, I was putting the, the, their needs were like lower on the totem pole. Right. And I, you know, I, I was very confident in what I was doing. I didn't need anybody else's approval of my decision to put my kids in the childcare. I was raised going to the YMCA childcare. And I feel like I was better for it. So, you know, I was very confident in my decision to be able to, I go to the gym. It's an important time for me. And I put my kids in the childcare and you know, that's fine. But I know when I talked to a lot of women that they really struggled with that, they felt like their kids needs of like not having to go to childcare of being, being able to be be at home with their mom, like caring for them, that need was more important than their need to go to the gym. And so they prioritize their children's needs over their own personal needs. And and so this is this idea of like being in connection with with ourselves. So they were forfeiting connection with themselves, the desires that they had for themselves. They were forfeiting that because of, of this competing value of the connection with their children or their children's needs. And so very oftentimes, this need for connection with other people conflicts with the need for connection with ourselves. And there is a very natural, normal tension that occurs between those two needs. And and a back and forth, honestly, that's really valuable and important to be able to figure out on a a day-to-day and moment-by-moment basis of what's going to be the balance between those, between my selfish needs and I would argue that I, I don't love the word selfish because I, it's a negative connotation, but my needs and my desires, as well as the desires of those around me. And you can see that if we go to either of those extremes, we're at the extremes. And, and just like very many things, the happiness is found in the middle. But let's go to the extremes for the, for the moment, right? So the people pleaser is on the extreme end of everybody else's needs come before my own. Every like connection to other people, other people's preferences, other people's needs, other people's opinions, other people's everything is more important than my connection to myself. What I think, what I want, what I feel, what I desire. Everybody else is more important. So that's at one extreme. And then we go to the other extreme, which is the like, everything I want is the most important. Who cares about what other people want? Who cares about what other people think? Who cares about like being in connection with other people? Like What I want is the most important. And so when I said at the beginning, at the top of the episode, if I lean one way or the other, I tend to lead towards the more selfish, Like this is what I want. This is what I desire. I'm going to go for it. And I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm, I'm saying that I am also at probably an extreme, but it's like the opposite end of the spectrum from the people pleaser. I tend to say, well, I want this, so that's good enough. I think this way, so heck, what do you think? I'm working on it, right? (laughs) And this is something I'm aware of, uh, a fault in myself that I'm also working towards moving towards the middle. I think there is a happy middle between those two extremes, right? We don't want to Place everybody's needs always in front of ours, and we neither do we want to place our needs always in front of other people's needs. Those are both inherently selfish. Uh, maybe I maybe mean, selfish is the wrong word, but those are inherently both inherently extreme positions, and we can see that the truth, the happiness, the balance is found somewhere in the middle where. We are maintaining that connection to ourselves. We are maintaining that autonomy. What we think and want and feel is important, and we're balancing that with the wants, needs, and desires of other people, so that we can be in connection with other people as well. I tell you what, when I heard this concept of being in connection with yourself while being able to be in connection with each others with others, it has has like blown my world up. And I and this is how I always I feel like the universe. I feel like God speaks to me. In uh, repetition, maybe you feel this way. Where uh, I will hear something, and that's great and wonderful. But if I hear it multiple times from multiple different sources, it kind of is like an alert to me. It's like, oh, I need to listen to this. <laughs> this is something I need to hear and something I need to learn. I do this with books. Where if I hear somebody recommend a book, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, maybe I'll get that book someday. But if i then over the next little while hear like multiple people recommend that book that's a cue to me i'm like ah i need to listen <laughs> this is something that i actually need to pay attention to this concept of being in relation to yourself while being in relationship with other people autonomy versus connection has come up in two or three different completely different contexts for me in the last couple of months and it has been something that has just like blown my world up and just I feel like the more we can accurately see ourselves, the more we can evolve and the more we can change, the more we can grow. And me realizing that I have this tendency to, like the opposite of the people pleaser, place my needs and wants and desires above other people is just as problematic as the other end of the spectrum where it's people pleasers are placing their wants and needs way, way, way below everybody else's wants and needs. Okay, so we're going to focus though... (laughs) Not on my problems. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a whole other topic conversation about uh, where I tend to lean. But this episode is specifically about the people pleaser and how this causes problems. And uh, you know, I want to spend a little bit of time here talking about how it gets in the way of your progress and why why a fitness podcast is talking about people pleasing and how it gets in the way of specifically of your fitness uh, progress. So. Let me, Let me. you know, you can think to yourself if this sounds familiar to you, but these are some of the ways that I see it showing up in my clients. A big one is eating something just because someone else wants you to. I have a lot of clients who have a really hard time saying no to food, especially when they are at someone else's house or especially when it's like a mother-in-law or a mother or someone they don't want to offend or, um, you know, right? Like they're just driven by this desire to not hurt anybody's feelings or not make anybody feel uncomfortable or, or any of these things. So that shows up in always placing their needs, their wants, their goals, their desires, their thoughts at the bottom and placing other people's comfort and needs and wants and desires above them. Eating because just someone else wants you to. Now, again, this is, this is where like the nuance comes in because again, your mother in law offers you a slice of her sweet potato pie and you eat it. If I had a camera, that would be what I would film. And that film, like that action could be driven by two very different internal experiences. So we have to be careful to not label actions as like people-pleasing actions. Eating the slice of pie that your mother-in-law offered to you is not a people-pleasing action. We have to look at the why behind it. And this is where you have to be a little self-reflective and honest with yourself is like why am i eating this pie? Is the only reason that i'm eating this pie is because i'm trying to make my mother-in-law happy or i don't want her to be sad or i don't want her to feel whatever like we're trying to manage her emotions? Or is it because i want the pie or i uh, you know i i want to like eat this pie and enjoy it with my family. I I'm, ex- I'm happy with this experience. I like whatever amount of des- desires that you have to remain in connection while remaining true to yourself. You both of those experiences could lead you to eating the pie, but the why behind it is very very different. And so, eating the pie for a lot of women becomes a people-pleasing um, context, a people-pleasing experience for them. Now, here's where I want to stop And just take a little slight detour, because I think this is a really important topic when we talk about people-pleasing. And I want to kick this off with a quick story. In Coaching Academy, so if you don't know, I, I have an academy where I teach coaches how to coach from a transformational level. And we were in one of our Coaching Academy mentorship calls, and one of the clients asked me how I handled a client being mad at me? Or um, how do I handle, how how have I handled in the past a client walking away from a coaching conversation um, very unhappy? And I thought about this for um, a minute and I, I told her I couldn't I couldn't come up with an experience. And that's not because that's never happened. I, I mean, it probably has, honestly, if I'm being honest, like it probably has that people have walked away from experiences unhappy with my coaching, okay? That probably has happened. But I don't create stories in my head assuming what people are thinking or feeling, okay? and And nobody has ever straight up told me that. <laughs> They've never straight up said, Um, You just coached me and that was terrible and I hated it and it was awful. Like They've never said that to me. And and so I don't make up stories about it. I don't make up stories uh, that people are feeling or thinking a certain way about my coaching. I don't make up those stories. And so I think when we are trying to people please, we are often trying to, one, control the uncontrollable. We're trying to control somebody else. And we're getting feedback and information that is mostly our own stories. Um Brené Brown is fantastic and one of the things I've heard her say before is that this idea of like the story I'm telling myself. So we tell ourselves stories all day long. That person's mad at me. That person like and they never told you this. Oh, she thinks my dress is ugly because she like gave me a side eye. <laughs> Right. We make this interpretation that like her side eye. Well, obviously she's mad at me because she gave me a side eye. We make up these stories. She never told you she was mad. You just made the assumption that her side eye meant that she was mad. We do this all the time. And, and so understanding that we tend to do this, we tend to make up stories. We tend to read more into things than. You know, necessarily should should or could be read into. Um, We do this all the time. Learning that we do that and acknowledging that we do that can be really powerful to ourselves. And so, Brene Brown, she always, especially when she's talking with her husband, is something will happen, and she will tell herself a story. And an important way for her to communicate to her husband is is with the phrase, "The story I'm telling myself, you didn't fold the laundry, right?" So maybe your husband doesn't fold the laundry. And now you're like, "Oh my gosh, he doesn't even respect my time. He like thinks that his time is more important because now I'm going to have to go fold the laundry and he just thinks he's like so much better than me." Right? So the story I'm telling myself is he didn't fold the laundry because he doesn't respect my time. He doesn't think my time is important. That's the story I'm telling myself. And so how powerful can it be when you can turn that onto your partner and say, "Okay, you didn't fold the laundry. That's what happened." The story I'm telling myself, that those words are important, right? Because it's not it's not actual truth. It's like, this is the story that's going on in my head. The story I'm telling myself is that you don't respect my time and you think your time is more important than, than mine and, and then having that conversation. Um, there's a really great, this is kind of off topic, but we're going to wrap it. We're going to wrap it in anyway, because I think it's going to, it kind of makes sense in this context. Uh, in business, there is a feedback acronym for as a, as a, um, boss, how to give feedback to an employee. And it's called the OMG feedback. Uh, it stands for observation, meaning, and generous assumption. And it, so it looks kind of like what I just did. Um, observation is here's what happened, right? You didn't fold the laundry. That's the observation. Nobody's going to argue that like the laundry is not folded, right? That's the fact <laughs> that is what happened. The observation, you didn't fold the laundry. Uh, M is for meaning, the meaning I gave it, right? I told myself the story that you didn't fold the laundry because you don't care about my time and you think your time is more important than mine. That's the story I'm telling myself. That's the meaning that I gave that experience. And then the G stands for generous assumption. So this is a way to um, facilitate a conversation. It can feel very confronting when you're like, the story I'm telling myself is that you don't care about me and you think your time is more important than mine, right? That's very affronting. (laughs) But in reality we want to give people the, the the benefit of the doubt and so we can throw in a generous assumption so you didn't, the, you know the, i came home the laundry wasn't folded the story i'm telling myself is that you think your time is more important than mine cuz now i'm going to have to fold the laundry and then the generous assumption can be but i know that that's not true you care about me you love me you know my time is really valuable so like what's going on here right get curious about it like Let's talk about this. Let's figure it out. And can you see that that format, that OMG format, can allow you to have now a really good conversation with everything out on the table of like, here's the meaning that I'm creating, right? Your husband never said that to you. (laughs) That's the meaning that you were creating in your head, and you can have that conversation. Okay, wow. We went like for a really big tangent, but I think it's really important because you don't actually know what people think. You don't. And yet we tell ourselves all the time that we do. She's thinking that. Oh, she thinks this about me. Oh, she, like, and you know what? Sometimes for good reason, maybe they are thinking that. But 99, 99 times out of 100, even if they are thinking that, they aren't saying it. And so you're making assumptions, you are predicting, you are trying to read somebody's mind, and you have like, stop doing that. <laughs> it dr- it's only can drive you crazy to stop. Think that you know what people are thinking. And so going back to the story I told, like the reason I had such a hard time coming up with a conversation was not because I don't think anybody has ever left my coaching unhappy, but because I don't make up stories like that. I don't, I don't be like, oh, well, did you see that look she gave me? Oh, like I like I don't come up with stories like that about myself. I if somebody is wants to tell me feedback, that is important. It's important for me to listen. I accept feedback. I take feedback in, I analyze it, I look at it, and I decide what I want to change and what I don't want to change. So this is another tangent. But I think um, feedback is, is really important. If somebody tells me something... I'm not going to create a whole story around it, but I am going to listen. I'm going to listen to that feedback and I'm going to see if I get that feedback from multiple sources. And if I get that feedback from multiple sources, especially if I get that feedback from multiple sources, that's going to cause me to take a closer look at that and say, hmm, is there something here that doesn't align with my value system that I want to change? That is something that I want to address. And that's very different from like, Oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. Oh my gosh, I'll never be a good coach. Oh my gosh, I'm the worst. Oh my God, like, right? Like all of that internal tor- turmoil, it becomes this curiosity of, huh, a couple people have given me this piece of feedback. Like there, there must be something here. I want to look a little deeper at my motivation. I want to look a little bit deeper at my actions. I want to think about how I could change this in the future so that isn't people's experience of me. That's a very, that's a healthy way to approach feedback rather than oh my gosh one client didn't think I was a good coach that must mean I'm not a good coach or oh my gosh one client said this about me oh my gosh that means I can't help anybody it's a very very different experience so one of the techniques that I would encourage you to start using is is this Brene Brown statement of the story I'm telling myself. It can be super, super powerful. My husband and I have started using this in our relationship. I mentioned that I am at one far end of the spectrum where I tend to prioritize self over connection with other people. And uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, the reason, maybe the reason we have uh, got married is because he's on the other end of the spectrum. He tends to place other people's needs way, way above himself. And so we're... (laughs) at each at the ends of the spectrum. And it's been fun and interesting to try and learn how to like bridge those for both of us come more towards the middle for me to um, think outside of myself and prioritize connection with other people, maybe even sometimes more than connection with myself because I'm not well-practiced at that. And for him to do the same, except for him to like place his needs and wants and desires um, sometimes above all the things he used to do to try and people please for everybody else. And so we've used, we've taken this, the story I'm telling myself and now use it with each other. And it's been so eye opening. In fact, it was just this morning on the way from the gym, we had a conversation about something and he you know, said, here's, here's, a, here's the, the thing that happened. And the story I'm telling myself, and then he like told me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy to me that that's like where your brain went. That, um, you know, that's what you, the story you're telling yourself. But it's such a great opportunity for us to open up that conversation and and to have that connection, um, with each other. Uh, from that, like the story I'm telling myself. So, I guess what I'm saying is try that out. It is amazing. It, and it and it really helps you to break up the difference between what is actually real, meaning what happened and what meaning you you gave to it what story you created around it you know my sister in law looked at me from across the room <laughs> that's what happened and the story i'm telling myself is she hates me okay but that's it's really important because you're separating out what is actually true and then what is interpretation what is the meaning that you're giving to something and the meaning that you're giving to something isn't in, isn't inherently true now, if your sister-in-law looked at you and said, I hate you, <laughs> that's a different experience, right? That's the, now what happened is my sister-in-law inter- it said, I hate you. That's what happened. And the story I'm telling myself is that she'll never like me. You notice how I still went to, into a story. It's like, she didn't say she'd never like me. She just said, I hate you. Um, but I went into a story of like, anyway, the, what I'm trying to say is like, we always often will take what happened and create a story and a meaning around it. And when we can separate those two out, what happened and what's the story that I'm creating around it. That's a really powerful uh, ability to be able to see ourselves. So how do we solve it? (laughs) What's, what's the answer? (laughs) Some of you may be listening being like, yes, that's me. We've identified the problem, Amber. Now help me to solve it. (laughs) What's the next step? What do I do? Well, I got you. That's what we're going to dive into next. Um, So if you are someone who identifies with this people-pleasing, looking externally for validation, one of the first steps or things that you can start to practice is working on self-validation. If you are confident about your choices, about what you're doing, then it matters. It doesn't matter what other people think right? I mean, it does to some extent, right? We want to be in connection with other people, right? We don't want to go far to the side where we say, screw everybody. I don't care what anybody thinks. That's not what I'm saying. But when we can get to that place where we're confident in ourselves, it doesn't matter what other people think of you, or at least it matters a whole lot less. What I think of myself matters more than what other people think of me. And that is this connection to self that I'm talking about, that people pleasers tend to deprioritize, this connection to self. What I think about me is most important? Can I live with myself? What are my values? Am I aligning my choice with my values? Am I confident in what I'm doing? When you're not confident and you got to go around and get confidence from other people, that's a losing battle. You're trying to like rely on other people for your confidence. And I see this a lot in women who are looking for external validation of their, of their body. Of their like fitness goals, of their aesthetic, they want other people to tell them that they, they look beautiful they want other people to tell them that they want other people to notice that they've lost weight. Why does it matter? Why do you need someone else to validate your effort, your success, your goals? You know are you self-validating? Are you self <laughs> are you self-validating right? Because if you're self-validating, we don't have to go externally looking for that from other people. And so this is an opportunity to do a little bit of self-reflection of like, how often do you self-validate? How often are you going externally? Now, don't get me wrong. It feels good to have other people validate us. It feels good to have other people tell us we're doing a good job. It feels good to have other people cheer us on. I'm not saying that's inherently a bad thing. That feels good. But if that is all we are relying on for our self-worth, for our enoughness, that's a problem. It is a rocky foundation. It is an unstable foundation on which to build your self-worth. And so if we can come from a place of, I know I'm enough. I know my body is good. I know I'm, you know, I'm, I am making the best choices that I can make right now. If we can come from that place, then when we get validation from others, it's awesome, but it's not our foundation. It's like an it's like a cherry on top. <laughs> but it's not the foundation uh, that we're building on. And it's a very rocky foundation if you are building on that because you can't rely on it. You can't rely on other people to validate you. Sometimes they may and sometimes they may not. I see this all the time when I go on social media. It's like I've had to get really good at like putting up a post or saying something and being okay with not everybody liking it. But if, but I check in with myself. Do I believe this is right? Do I believe this is true? Do I believe this is good? Do I am I confident in this? Like, if the answers are yes to that, it's okay if other people don't like it. It's not for everybody. You don't have to like it. Be, but because I can do that, because I can self-validate. If you find that you are somebody who tends to go to that people-pleasing place, a really great question that you can start to reflect on and ask yourself is, why am I doing this? remember we talked about the action can look the same. You can do the dishes for your partner. You can fold your laundry for your partner. But what's really matters is that check-in, like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want to do it? Am I doing this because I desire to you know, serve my, my partner? And whether or not they notice, that's okay, because I don't, I don't need that. Like, I just want to serve them or am I secretly doing this because I hope that they'll come home from work and notice that I folded the laundry and like praise me and think I'm the best wife ever and think I'm like amazing and tell me that I'm amazing because I folded the laundry. So really doing that check in with yourself of why am I doing this? What is driving this choice? What is driving this behavior? And making sure that you're doing things for yourself. This can be really hard for people pleasers. What what things do you do during your day that's for yourself? And so one of the ways that you can move away from people pleasing is self-care. And for people who are people pleasers, that may feel selfish. You've likely labeled those those actions selfish. I saw that a lot when I went to the gym and I put my kids in childcare, people some people labeled that as selfish. You're selfish for going to the gym and putting your kids in childcare. That's okay. They can that's they can label it selfish. For someone who is a people pleaser, like moving away from people pleasing may feel selfish. And that actually kind of tells you you're doing it right because <laughs> we're trying to move towards the middle. We're not trying to move towards like you prioritize your needs 100% of the time over everybody else's needs. That's a jerk, right? That's, that's a jerk. That's someone who doesn't care about other people's needs. That's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to move to the center, but it will feel like you are being selfish. But having that self care, what do you do on a day to day basis for yourself? What do you want? What do you desire? What are you doing to to prioritize your wants and desires? That's something that you can focus on if you identify as a people pleaser. I heard this story once that Natalie Portman told um, that she said she was in she was filming a movie and the director would have her do the you know the take that she was doing over and over and over again and you know, he would, he would tell her what to do and, oh, change this and adjust this. And she would, you know, repeat it and, and do it over and over again. And when he finally said, you know, he got what he wanted, he got like the take that he thought was going to be, you know, his fulfill his vision or whatever. Then he would say to her, do one for yourself. Okay. This one, this, we're going to do one more. This one's going to be for yourself. You're just going to do it for yourself. Not, not based off of like what I want or what I'm trying to get out of you. Like just do this one for yourself. And she said, those always ended up being the best takes because she stopped trying to like give him what he wanted or, you know, create herself into like what his vision was. And instead she just did it for herself just from that like place of like honest, true, authentic living. And those were always the best takes. And so I, I, you know, that's such a great reflection is like, how much are you doing for yourself? Now, again, I'm not talking to you to like be selfish and like never think of anybody else. But if you're a people pleaser, that's going to be a hard question to answer because you're not going to have very many answers to it. And that's a key to you: like, what could I do for myself? And then the last thing that can be really important. Um, so, you know, we talked about self validation. We talked about uh, self care and doing things for yourself. And then the last thing that I would bring up is boundaries. Boundaries are really, really important for people pleasers. They can be very hard for people pleasers. Uh, again, Brene Brown, Queen Brene, I heard her describe boundaries as the distance between the distance between you and I that needs to be maintained in order for me to love both you and I. So this idea that if someone's too close, you you know they're they're coming up against your autonomy. You can't love yourself when they're they're too close. But if they're too far away, you can't maintain any connection. All right. So again, it's that that balance between need for, um connection with others and need for connection with myself. So if you're too close to me, I can't maintain connection with myself. If you're too far away from me, I can't maintain connection with you. But if we can find that, that that sweet spot where I can maintain connection with me and be authentic and what's important to me, and I can also continue the relationship with you and maintain some connection with you, it is that distance to which we like set the boundary. Boundaries are never about what the other person does. Boundaries are always what, about what you do and what you can control. So boundaries are not saying, don't talk to me that way. Uh, don't bring up that talk me conversation, right? That's outward focus. Boundaries are like, if you bring up, if you talk to me about my body, I will leave the conversation. It's all focused on what I will do. Um, so boundaries are really, really powerful, especially for people pleasers to be able to, because you tend to give up yourself, You tend to allow people to be too close to you. And so you give up that autonomy. You give up that connection with yourself to prioritize connection with other people. And so setting boundaries can help you to find that space to which you can maintain that connection to yourself. Again, boundaries are not about telling someone else what to do. They're not about punishing other people. They're about, this is the distance to which I can love you and me at the same time. I want to love me and I want to love you. And this is the distance that we ha- that we need to do it. And you know, if that distance isn't met, here's how I will respond. Again, it's not about controlling somebody else. It's a very important distinction because that's where a lot of people go with boundaries. It's, it's like, you're trying to control the other person. No, you are not trying to control the other person. That is, that's not something you can do. You cannot control somebody else. But you can control you and how you respond. And you can create a boundary that says, if this boundary is crossed, this is how I will respond to it. So boundaries can be very, very powerful for people pleasers. And then two final questions that I think, you know, you could spend a lot of time thinking about this and journaling about it. Uh, question number one is, why am I doing this? So whenever you start to, you know, your mother-in-law offers you a piece of pie and you want, you know, you're going to say yes, like quick check. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this? Cause I don't want her to think less of me. Am I doing this? Cause I'm trying to manage her emotions. I'm trying to not make her feel bad. Or am I doing this? Cause I really want to. Or I, I, I want to eat this piece of pie, right? That quick check of like, why am I doing this? Why am I folding the laundry? Is it because I hope that my husband's going to come home and validate me and tell me I'm a, the most amazing wife ever and that's going to feel really good and fill my cup up because I'm not doing that myself. I'm not self-validating, so I need someone else to do it for me. Or am I folding the laundry because I want to take care of our family and this is something that needs to be done and I'm this is what I'm choosing to do with my time right now, um, again, same action. The laundry gets folded, but it's from a very different place. So, stopping and reflecting and asking that question: Why am I doing this? And then the second question that is really powerful is: What do I want? This can be a very hard question for people pleasers to answer because they're. That's not usually the question in their mind. It's always: What do other people want? What do I need to? Who do I need to be? In order to get praised? What how do I need to transform myself in order to get validated? Who do I need to be in this moment or that moment to be able to like get what I need from other people instead of the question of like what do I actually want? What do I actually desire? What do I what does Amber want? And that can be a, a really powerful place to sit and ask that question and start to take action and start to do things for yourself, right? That goes into the self-care and and doing things for you. And it can start to shift that that people-pleasing behavior and uh, be focused more on pleasing yourself. Okay, so this has been a big topic. We've gotten into some big things. And I hope that for those of you who identify as people-pleasers or maybe have people-pleasers in your life, that this gave you some understanding, um, compassion, and you know when we, we learn things about ourselves and we are, are aware of things in ourselves, we are able to change them. We're able to grow. I always tell clients, awareness is the first step. You cannot change that which you are not aware of. And when we become aware of, of things, that's, that's the first step towards changing them. And now that you're, started, you're aware of some of these tendencies that you have and how they impact you and how they impact the people around you, now you can start to take the steps to start to move right more towards that that center. We're not going to the extremes. We're not going to like, I only care about me. We're not going to, I only care about you. But like in the middle, there is a beautiful, happy medium where we're able to do both. Or we're able to prioritize one or the other sometimes and then the other other times. You know, that that's been the thing for me is like what I want is important. And I also have to realize that what other people want is also important and prioritizing that. Sometimes it's not always about what I want. Sometimes it's about what the family needs or what my partner needs or what my friend needs. And sometimes I, I place those needs above my own. But it's a choice and it's a flux and it's a, and it's a conscious decision rather than a strict default to, I, I only take care of myself or I only take care of other people. Whew, this is a big one. I hope this offered you something. I hope that you're walking away with maybe some new ideas some new things that you can flush out and again if this was helpful to you do me a favor and share it with somebody that really means the world to me that wraps up this episode of biceps after babies radio i'm amber now go out and be strong because remember my friend you can do anything hey friend have you heard the news we have a biceps after babies radio insider list Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.